BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. That's been our bond, I think, with Ryan, Christian, and I, is that we just really want to help others. Those are the guys that I've, I've really gotten along with a lot better. And, you know, I mean, it's like with Ryan, too. Like, he's done so many things off camera where he would call me and say, here's my credit card number. He met a family. They were going through a hard time or, you know, had an unfortunate situation. He's like, I'm sending them in, but I'm paying for their dinner. And all of those times that he did that, that was never on camera. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. When you're a man with big ideas, it helps to have an MVP on speed dial, or better yet, two. As a self-described people person, Omar Sheck is one of the most connected people in Milwaukee. He's a partner in Surge Restaurant Group, the new 3rd Street Market Hall, chairman of the board for Visit Milwaukee, and the list goes on and on. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Sheck describes how a phone call to Brewer stars Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun ended with thousands of meals going to frontline workers. Plus, the very real and sobering numbers for his restaurant, Carnivore, and the industry as a whole. And we settle the GOAT debate once and for all between Michael Jordan and one of Sheck's loyal customers, LeBron James. Let's dig in. Hanging out here in our respective homes with Omar Sheck, who's a man of many talents, many interests around the Milwaukee area, Surge Restaurant Group, and all sorts of other things that I'll get into, board chair for Visit Milwaukee. One of the things, Omar, that uh, struck me first and foremost doing some research for this podcast was I'm a guy that gets up at 2.30 every morning to uh, anchor the morning news. Very <laughs> rarely do I come across people who I think sleep less than I do, but you, based on the, the list of things you're involved with, maybe would be on a short list. Is that true? Are you a guy who's just constantly gunning and rolling? Well, I'm not up at 2.30, but I, I try to get up by 5 every day. Um, it's hard because I'm not a morning person, but you know, over the last few years, I've studied the traits of some of the most successful people in the world and every single one of them are early risers. So get up at five and get my day going in quarantine. I can't say I've been getting up at five, but life's changing for all of us in that regard. Uh, I'm certainly going to ask you about some of the impact of the coronavirus and how things are are shifting in our world and certainly in the industries that you're involved with. But let me start with a kind of a more fun, lighthearted question. What sure. has been uh, maybe one absolute lifesaver for you during this time, whether it's a, a recipe, a show that's gotten you through some stuff, maybe something you bought on Amazon, you know, what's been one thing that's really come through for you? Uh, I mean, my wife and I have watched more TV than we ever have. So I would say we've got watched some really good series. Um, you know, Ozarks was great. Yeah. And uh, we're really in a succession now. Nice. That's one that I, yeah. uh, I started and I then lost track of. So maybe now's the time I got to pick it back up again. It's, it's worth it. But so I would say good shows, working out and really uh, a lot of wine. <laughs> I know for so many people, the wine has helped. That's for sure. This is, uh, this is unlike anything we have ever lived through. And that, that is certainly the case uh, across industries. For you, have you seen anything like this before? And what has it been like kind of adapting to so many unknowns? 
I have never seen anything like this and never felt so much uncertainty with anything. It's a very scary, scary thing, you know, and um, I, uh, I know there's a lot of human lives at risk. And um, so I think that, you know, I supported the shutdown, but I'd love to see a phase type opening. Obviously, you know, listening to the scientists, listening to the medical professionals, um, but it is a very scary time for, for business owners. One of the positive things you've been able to bring is the, that partnership with many other groups around the area, but certainly two MVPs in Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun. And I know you've done a number of these meal deliveries already. I'd love to hear just kind of how that happens because I read an interview that Yelich did. He said, you call him up on a, on a random night and kind of have this idea, which is, first of all, cool that you can call a pair of MVPs just like that. But <laughs> how did this all get off the ground and what has it been like to really share some good with so many of those frontline healthcare workers? Well, you know, I think I was watching the news one night. And, and, I, and there was, they were talking to some frontline workers and I can't remember, it was 10 or 10.30. And I said, you know what? I said, wow, we have to do something. And, you know, Ryan, Christian and I have been talking about doing things here for the Milwaukee area. <clears throat> so I just called them and uh, I called Ryan. I said, hey, can you hang on one second? He said, sure. So I called in Yelich three Wade and I said, hey guys, I've got an idea. And they said, okay, what's the idea? I said, let's do something big, let's do something really big for the frontline workers. And they said, great, let's do it. And so we just kind of formalized it from there. That is pretty cool. In your yeah. interactions, is is that rare that athletes are, are that community driven, that forward, or what does that do to kind of speak to their character? You know, it it just depends upon the athlete. You know, a lot of a lot of athletes have a very busy lifestyle. They have families. I tend to gravitate towards the ones that that want to help the community more because that's what we sort of have in common. But I would say Ryan, from the very beginning, has always been like that, and Christian is so sincere and so authentic that he's he's the same way so when we share the same visions we have dinners together we're always trying to find ways of how we can help others and it's just amazing to have guys at that level that think like that um i know for your restaurant a uh, carnivore downtown you guys didn't initially do curbside but then switched to doing some of that takeout service for folks and one of the things that i've been kind of curious about because we'll say it a lot on the morning news you know support local and the different ways that you can kind of help out these businesses but the actual logistics of what this is meaning i imagine are kind of unfathomable in terms of the economics so i was wondering if you could just kind of take someone through as a restaurant owner here what that really means related to you know an average night you're obviously not the economics are not going to add up with a, a full house versus what you can do curbside, but how yeah. that math works out and why it was still important for you to bring that curbside service back. Well, we weren't going to do it. I mean, frankly speaking, we're one of the most expensive restaurants in Milwaukee and you know, it's not, people are losing people with a lot of money are losing a lot of money. People with little money are losing money. I mean, it's a really difficult time. So to get a takeout for your family of four for three to $400 to me wasn't realistic right now, but everyone kept texting, everyone kept calling. So we did it. We opened up um, curbside doing it Thursday and Fridays and it's been humbling, but support has been tremendous. Unfortunately, it's only 15% of the income that we'll do on a regular weekly basis. And now with some of the, uh, um, little controversy in the in the meat uh, processing plants. Um, beef prices has spiked tremendously. So unfortunately, this Thursday and Friday is going to be our last for curbside service. I mean, we're not selling wine. We're not selling spirits. We are selling a little bit of wine, but <clears throat> when our beef prices skyrocket up, we're we're basically doing it to lose money. So we're just going to wait until we can open and and uh, take it day by day. Hmm. Um, it is a very scary time, you know. I don't know what the phased approach is. Again, I, I, I understand why we're doing what we're doing. But um, when we open up, 
it's a very scary thing for restaurants because we don't feel like we have tremendous support. And uh, so if we're all open. We're only allowed 50% of the people in at a time. You know, I can tell you that our beef companies and food companies won't give us 50% off. I can also tell us our landlords won't give, give us 50% off. So I'm really hoping and praying that all of us can make it through this. I, I think a third of the restaurants won't be able to. And I know there's a lot of great people in our community, chef-owned, just great restaurant groups that have been doing this a long time that unfortunately won't make it through. I'm sure there's been planning on your guys' side what things will look like, some ways that you can work around social distancing once restaurants are allowed to do dine-in again. What are those conversations like and what are some of the things that people can expect to see as kind of that new normal? Yeah, so I believe it's probably going to be a phased approach, right? 50% of your capacity, all the social distancing guidelines, you know, tables six feet apart, people at the bar six feet apart, you can't congregate with close to one another. We're already following the guidelines and curbside. Um, Everybody is coming in, we're taking everybody's temperature when they come in, everybody's wearing gloves, we're wiping down, um, you know, the handles, even with employees. But for the most part, it's 99% people pulling up, we're delivering the food in masks and gloves and, you know, found the guidelines. Prior to that, I guess what I was saying was before we were shut down um, and we were still able to open under these guidelines for the few days we were, you know, we were wiping down the chairs and tables every time a guest got up, left, went to the bathroom, left the restaurant, um, wiping down the door handles in the front every time a guest came in and out. So just very cognizant of running, you know, a very uh, clean restaurant according to the guidelines. Tight chip and a clean chip as well, I guess you could say. Yeah. Not, not to be a total bummer on this, but we're all kind of trying to figure out what the, the ramifications are and what things will look like. One of the things that, that's kind of gotten to me is doing some of these interviews earlier in the year, 2020 was Milwaukee's year, right? This was when this was going to put this city on the map in a national and global way with yeah. how, how well the Bucks were doing to kind of kick things are with hopefully a finals appearance, the DNC bringing all those tens of thousands of people to town. I know it's going to be different. Do you have any ideas about just how much is lost here, how different that, that chance, that opportunity is for the city? That's a tough question. I mean, obviously a lot is lost, right? <clears throat> Ryder Cup, we're not sure. Um, I'm confident that sports will remain um, to start without fans, baseball and, and, and uh, basketball and football. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I do think there's going to be some sports. Um, I think a lot is lost, but I think right now it's a true test to what's going to show people's character, right? Because during tough times, I think those that are, are remaining positive, there's nothing we can do. Nobody can, you know, here created this uh, pandemic. And so now's the time that you really see that people need to stick together. And you're seeing a lot of, I think I tweeted about that last night, you're seeing just so much political and so many people attacking each other that that's really, this is the last time place for this type of thing. So hopefully we can all kind of rise together and make the best of it, whatever it is to come. I still remain cautiously optimistic. This, the future is scary for restaurants, I will say, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get through this. There'll be a vaccine and life will go back to normal. And you certainly got a lot of people like myself included who can't wait to go out and get a meal again and kind of support those people that do make it through as well. But yeah. you're right, that uh, that kind of infighting is just not constructive at all, not going not gonna to lead to solutions during this either. Uh, I'll ask, uh, kind of switch gears a little bit, some more fun stuff since you are such an interesting character, fascinating guy, and in, in so many different uh, places you're involved in Milwaukee. I'd love to get some of your background. Growing up around here, I know you spent some time out in L.A., and then one of the things that I read or heard was uh, – completely off topic from restaurants, but a background in jujitsu. Tell me a little bit about uh, all these things that, that were a part of your foundation. 
Um, yeah, that was a long time ago. You know, I'm, I'm out of shape and, you know, I just need to stretch more these days. But a few too yeah, many steaks and carnivore over the years. Yeah, a little bit, right? You just have to cut the carbs, though, you know, if you eat the lean meats. But yeah, I went out to LA and, um, and did some education out there, but I chased a dream of learning how to fight and training jujitsu. And it was great. I mean, I kind of used that in my everyday life. And, um, you know, I have, have a, a son and two daughters, and they're all wrestlers. So they're all grapplers as well. And a little bummed that my middle daughter, she was definitely going to win state this year. She was already beating girls that won state and she took second last year, but so a little bummed, but she understands. And we're, you know, we know it's out of our control, but that was a different part of my life. And now it's like, we're doing different types of fighting and battles. <laughs> yeah. You could say that again. Yeah. I was kind of curious though. I, I was an athlete, but it was track and baseball. So it's not getting up close with anyone in that regard. What is it specifically about combat sports that you think uh, teaches you some, some things, some lessons to go forward in life? Yeah, you know, combat sports is, you know, it, there's there's a couple different, like if you play tennis, right, because I play tennis and you lose, you lose. Combat sports, you're out there. <laughs> you lose. You lose badly, right? It hurts, and, and, there's, and there's really, between wrestling and grappling, there's not many true one-on-one -on -one sports that really determine who comes out on top. And so it's like the grind of the sport and the training for that sport is harder than almost, in my opinion, any sport in the world. What was it about the restaurant industry that kind of drew you in and uh, attracted you as your career was coming up, uh, whether it was in L.A. or once you got back here to Milwaukee? Yeah, you know, it's um, I, I, I just for me, I love people and my passion in this business is one to provide great food. Right. And we hire the chefs for that. I mean, if I was the one cooking, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, Carl. But um, it's, it's connecting with people. And it's providing a high level of customer service and hospitality. It's what we're, I'm incredibly passionate about. So this business has been just so humbling to meet so many great people and to be honestly connected with people around the world. And the types of people I've met because of this business um, is that's what attracts me to it, the people. I've asked a few other people uh, around Milwaukee similar questions, but just the mm -hmm. amount of growth the restaurant scene has seen here in the city over the past few years, decade, things like that is just astounding. What's been the most rewarding for you to kind of see the city take off as a, as a dining destination for many? Well, I mean, if you take a look at it, you just have great chefs here. You have, you know, James Beard chefs. You see an explosion of the restaurant scene. You have guys like Paul Bartolotta back here, you know, in Milwaukee. And I had dinner with him, but, you know, a few months ago before the pandemic hit and I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm having dinner with Paul Bartolotta. I mean, a huge name chef who's done great things. Um, in America now back here in Milwaukee and so it's just it's great to have so many good people great chefs an explosion of the scene but I will say Carl the one thing that we need to focus more on in the city one thing we need to talk more is there is there's a little bit of a lack of population growth it's stagnant in some areas it's negative in some areas and so you have seen a good amount of restaurants close and so we need to grow that population um, one of the other things that we're working on to visit Milwaukee and the Wisconsin Center District was to expand the convention center <clears throat> because that is, is incredibly important to have hundreds of thousands of visitors come here, more visitors, to pay for our infrastructure. And hopefully they fall in love with the city and hopefully they move to the city. That's the whole thought behind it. That was going to be one of my uh, lines of questioning, actually. So I'll just get right into that a little bit more. Uh, some people may see the convention center and say, okay, there's a big building already. There's enough to attract people. But what is missing? What is coming with this massive expansion that was recently announced <laughs> that will allow bigger groups, more groups, more attractive groups yeah. to, to find their way to Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, so people can say that, but there's three phases to this convention center and only two were built. 
And so it sat stagnant for the last 20 years. And so I really, I worked hard. I worked hard for the last three years on really on the education component, but also having people understand that we're one third the size of our competition right now. So this puts us at a little over 50 percentile, but it's on an even playing field with our peer cities. Um, and we're turning down more conventions today before the pandemic today than we're actually booking. So, you know, I can promise you with, with a new shiny bells and whistles convention center that's, that's uh, expanded to this, uh, we'll be competitive for 20 years and we'll be able to win a lot of larger conventions and just a lot more conventions in general to bring hundreds of thousands of more people here to the city, literally filling our restaurants, our hotels, our transportation, our retail. It'll just be great for the city overall. Yeah, and again, those ripple effects, especially so many businesses try to uh, find their footing, get back on <laughs> solid ground after all this as well. And employing, you know, so many other people and hiring local companies for the construction. I mean, there's just so many. The ripple effect goes into, you know, pretty deeply. The population growth is interesting, too, because uh, I live downtown or in Brewers Hill. So I see a lot of the stuff going up. There's so much, so much development, even since I moved here to the city a few years ago. But maybe not, as you said, the numbers in terms of overall growth. So how does that get jump started and how does that kind of elevate a, a city as well as it adds up? Yeah, I think, I think that there, you'll, what you will see is a lot of positive development. I mean, there's a lot of great projects. You see the BMO um, Tower. You see, you know, NM that came downtown. I just talked to my good friend, Tan Lowe of the Moderne. Uh, I'm sorry, the Couture that he feels very positive about. You've got Josh and Tony who are redeveloping the avenue and who are buying a lot of what's west of the river uh, being developed. So a lot of great things there. I think for population growth, what we'd love to see is recruiting more companies to Milwaukee. And you're starting to see that. You're starting to see a lot of companies come. That will help grow our population. That'll help fill, again, the restaurants. That will help pay the tax base. That will help fill the apartments and the condos. Um, and, and you're starting to see that, though. You are. And, and then you have world-class projects like the Pfizer Forum, right? You know, that just within a, a, a team that they've put together, and they, bring, they brought so many people down to the city, it's unbelievable. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not, I know I have my visit Milwaukee head on, but, you know, you have to give props to the State Fair. You have to give props to Summerfest, and they've been so successful in bringing people here. There's a lot of positive things happening for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the Avenue, and that's certainly one of the big projects people are looking forward to. Uh, anyone who works downtown, I'm sure, is excited for the food options coming to the, yeah. the Third Street Market Hall. But in general, that transformation, it's such an interesting place to walk through. Having not grown up here, you walk through the building and you kind of see what it used to be. It's a beautiful building. You see all the yeah. natural light and whatnot, but then it was just empty for, for so long until this redevelopment yeah. kind of changes the, the process. Was that difficult to kind of have that vision to, to see what people might want in the future. Malls don't seem to be the, the way of the future. So what can we fill that space, space with and still have it be a hub? Yeah. So I, I can't um, take credit for the vision for it. I mean, you know, I think Chris Socho was the architect. Uh, it has, takes a lot of credit for that. And I sat down with Tony Janowick for dinner a few years ago and he said, hey, I was looking at what I'm going to do next, right? And he said, hey, I'm very interested in, in having you come over and take a look at our food hall. Um, this is, I have some ideas for the Grand Avenue Mall. And so we had dinner and I thought to myself, Grand Avenue Mall, like, oh, I don't know if that can be my next move, Carl. <laughs> and so a year after that, I came and I met Josh Krisnak and Tony Janowick together and they gave me a tour and showed me their vision and Chris Socher's vision of what they wanted to do with it. And I was blown away. And before I even, you know, negotiated whatever the terms were, I told my men, 
And so it's, you know, they're making, <clears throat> making just an incredible, they have an incredible vision. So the, the on the one side, on the Plankinton side is 52 market rate apartments. Uh, it was built last May, but within six months, they're, I think, 99% occupied now. Um, <clears throat> you know, they have, they have better amenities than, than almost any other building I've seen where they have a pet spa, they have a full gym, um, they have a 93-person conference room, all amenities for the, for the corporations they're recruiting into the building. And obviously, Grafe was the trailblazer to come in and uh, as the first anchor tenant. But I think you're going to see a lot more coming in and being announced as soon as this pandemic is over. Um, and then obviously, a world-class food hall on the base level, which, you know, we traveled the country and went to probably 40 food halls around the country. And even New Yorkers took us in, gave us behind-the-scenes tours, told us what they did right, what they did wrong. And so I think what you're going to see is something the best of everything we've seen from across the country in food halls that we believe is going to be a top five in the country. And it's we've seen a lot of adult gaming with it. So you'll have shuffle puck. You know, we're, we're talking about doing duck pin bowling downstairs with a speakeasy. Talking about doing, you know, snook ball, which is like a large pool table on the ground, but with soccer balls. So there's something to do. It's a gathering place for families, for corporations can rent it out. Millennials can go to the 40-person central bar, you know, on their laptop and get a craft beer. There's something for everybody. With some of the best local chefs doing a lot of startup concepts that are just going to blow people away. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a salesperson here. This is going to be so special. I can't wait until Milwaukee can enjoy this. Well, it's interesting too. Just I'm someone who loves to travel and my friends or my wife and I, when we go places, we'll seek out a place like that because you kind of get a taste of, of different parts of the city. You get a feel for the city in a way that is, is not necessarily accessible if you go another route. So for people who are not as familiar with the concept, what is it about both uh, the opportunity for some of the chefs and the people on the food side, but then also the opportunity for people to have this incredible food in the, maybe a less stuffy environment than they might get or, or have it all there for them in one place? Yeah, I mean, it's just so great because I, I can go there with my family of five and not argue about two people want sushi and the other person wants fried chicken and one person's want a Korea, Korean bowl, right? And so it's like, we're going to have a great blend of cultures. What's attractive for a lot of the chefs is you come in and you don't have to pay, you know, or invest a million dollars in a restaurant to hope to make it back, right? The infrastructure is already there. Uh, it's a percentage rent type deal and you can have, you know, great offerings from chefs that don't have to spend a ton of money on the capital to open up. And it's just something for everybody. And, and it's going to be a great local representation. You're going to see ingredients all from Milwaukee and all throughout Wisconsin. You're going to see all local chefs. You know, we've had some bigger name out of town chefs interested that we've had conversations, but we really wanted to focus on local here, everything locally. I think people can certainly hear it, but uh, the passion in your voice is certainly inspiring for folks in Milwaukee too. I'm always interested by, by someone who starts in, a certain industry or a certain lane, but then has the ability to expand and kind of go different ways. And that's certainly you, I, I would imagine making a name for yourself with restaurants and with the food scene here in town, but you can hear all the different things that you're involved in now. What do you think some of the, the not to brag about yourself, but the strengths that you've had that have led to some of that success, things someone could take away from, from your experience, from your background that have served you well in, in these many different environments? Well, I... Don't consider myself successful yet, Carl. I mean, I'm getting there, and I, and I, and I think the future's bright. I, I will say that I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I've been able to do it because I just have, I have a gift of people. But I also feel that I've been good to people all along the way. 
you know, I built, we built our, our restaurant over at Carnivore, one customer at a time. And I think just being good to people all along the way, giving back wherever we could, being a positive influence in a lot of people's lives has really translated to so many different opportunities where I, we're just seeing, I'm seeing a lot of opportunities on a weekly and biweekly basis come our way. And so um, I know it sounds cliche, but just being good to people all along the way. Yeah. Let's get to some fun stuff. Uh, I imagine Carnivore has turned into this place where you can really see some of the who's who, some of the different teams coming in town. What's a, a story or an experience that you've had there, maybe elsewhere in Milwaukee, that comes to mind if your buddies are asking you, like, all right, Omar, give me something good. What, what have you had recently? Um, yeah, you know, so I always, I always tell my buddies, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them who is in after the fact. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, when you get, when you get some high profile people through the doors and we've had actors, athletes, I think we've had it all right. Some big time financial people, you know, that we really respect their privacy. And so it's like, uh, you know, when, when we know that LeBron James is coming in, uh, well, first of all, he, his secret service, you know, agents come in first and, and, uh, make sure that everything's safe. And, you know, we, we really try to respect their privacy and not let anyone know that they're coming in. But I'll, I'll tell you in the beginning, it was never designed to be this type of place. It was designed just to be a restaurant with incredible personalized service. And those types started coming, but I, I do want to say this, you know, that, that, that guy that, that is a uh, uh, hardworking, whatever industry he's in, manufacturing, plumber, whatever else it might be, that's coming in with his family, that saves his money to come in there for his birthday, is equally as important. Because that person's going to go out, you give them an experience, and you treat them a certain way, I tell my staff this all the time, they're going to go out and tell a thousand people how incredible that experience was, right? And those are the people that are going to make up, you know, the dining room time and time again, where you have nothing again. We love star athletes, right? But, you know, it's, it's, we want to make sure that everybody is treated in a certain way. And I think that we've been able to achieve that, but a, a special story. I have to be careful. I don't have to think about that one, Carl, but what type of story we can tell. <laughs> Not trying to get you in any trouble or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned, uh, since he came up, Christian Yelich earlier, and he's certainly someone that Milwaukeeans have fallen in love with here over the past couple of seasons, but anything that comes to mind with him, uh, he does seem so humble, like you said, but also so <laughs> driven. Anything that, that you've learned about him that you think has led to his success? I don't just say this, the guy is just so genuine and, and he's just so real, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example my family and I were on vacation um, over the holidays, over, over Christmas, and, and he had called me, I think, I can't remember what it was about concerning one of his friends or something like that, and I said, hey, let me, let me call you back in five minutes, I'm on vacation with the family, I'm going to the bathroom, I'll come right back, and, and he, he apologized like three times for calling me on my vacation, and I'm thinking to myself, you're the MVP, probably should have been the two-time MVP, right? <laughs> You're apologizing to me for calling me? Like, he's just, he's just that guy. And then I asked him, I remember having dinner with him and Bronny towards the end of last season. And I said, hey, I said, did you know you'd be this great? Did you realize, like, you'd come to Milwaukee and be MVP and everything like that? And he looked at me, he looked at Ryan, he said, heck no. <laughs> no, I didn't be this great. And it just tells you how, how great of a guy he is. And he's just, um, you know, he, he, he doesn't really even want the attention on himself. And and he just really wants to help others. And that's been, that's been our bond, I think, with Ryan, Christian, and I, is that we, we really share that bond. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, you mentioned LeBron, too, so this might be tough with one of uh, your more famous uh, regular customers. But I saw you post this on Twitter. So many people, including myself, are enjoying The Last Dance, the uh, Michael Jordan and Chicago oh. Bulls doc. I understand there's been a change of heart as you're watching this. Uh, yeah, it brought back childhood memories and, like, you know, I have to be careful because LeBron's a customer and Jordan never was. So, but I don't know, Jordan, nobody took over a game like Jordan. 
after watching that and just brought back the memories, I, I have to say he's the GOAT. I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> there it is. I'm yeah, sorry, LeBron. Yeah. LeBron does so many great things. Like, who does that? Who builds a school like that? Yeah. Right? Like, does amazing things. And, and I think he does a lot of amazing things off camera, too. Those are the guys that I've, I've really gotten along with a lot better. And, you know, I mean, it's like with Ryan, too. Like, Ryan's been amazing all along the way. Like, he's done so many things off camera where he would call me and say, here's my credit card number. He met a family. They were going through a hard time or, you know, had an unfortunate situation. He's like, I'm sending them in, but I'm paying for their dinner. And all those times that he did that, that was never on camera. And so that's why he and I got so close is because he's just that guy. What kind of things, obviously it's more difficult now with some of the limitations, but what kind of things do you do to get away? Those rare times when you do get a vacation or something like that, what are you interested in uh, when you do get a chance to kind of unwind? Yeah, we were a very strong family. We were very strong. You know, I was raised that way, a very tight family. And so I spent a lot of time and any off times that I can with the kids. And so I'm glad that they all wrestle. We share that bond. We all work out together. Um, but now in quarantine, they're ready for me to go back to work. <laughs> I would you know, so. I'm waking them up early. I'm making them work out. I'm making them go on bike rides. I'm making them do family time. It's getting a little overboard for them. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just a lot, of, a lot of family time. I mean, that's what we do. And we spend time with friends. And aside from that, it's work. I'm guessing the uh, pillow fights were a little more intense in the Sheck household growing up than in others. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're all killers in their own way. So sometimes we have to step in at times. But yeah, it's always fun to watch. Is there a, a type of food or something like that, that that you don't know as well that you're interested to learn more about or, or something that kind of is a little more of an unknown to you that you're excited to dive into? We have a pretty well-balanced palate. I mean, on our time off, we eat all ethnic food. And so there aren't many cuisines. I can't think of any that we haven't experienced. Well, maybe we I'll switch like. it then. What's something that you think uh, more people should experience that's maybe a little bit of an unknown when it comes to that? Oh, I'll tell you that right now. Korean barbecue. Yeah. It, it hasn't really hit this market. I mean, it has. Chard is there. And so they're doing uh, kimchi and daikon, two concepts in our new food hall. But Korean barbecue is some of the most delicious food in our favorite food in the world. And so yeah. um, I think that more Milwaukeeans need to be exposed to it. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. One of the cool things about that, it's usually pretty communal too. You do it with a big group. It's a way to spend a lot of time at a restaurant over a, a course of a few hours or four minutes. Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever we go, we walk out of there and we have to go to bed within an hour because we just you know, <laughs> eat way too much. So you just like, the, the meat sweats come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, Carl. Yeah. Uh, let's do, talk this. Since summer is coming up here, obviously we don't know uh, what all will be open and everything like that. But what's your ideal way to spend a summer day around the Milwaukee area when you are uh, have some free time to chill? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, there's just so many. It depends on what festivals going on, right? Because we mentioned like Summerfest, we mentioned all the fests there at Summerfest and State Fair. But there's just so many things to do. You know, I mean, it's that's a tough question for me. Um, I'm usually at work. And so it's tough. Um, if not, I'm sitting on my patio with the family, just hanging out. But I would say, you know, going out on the patio and having one of Milwaukee's great craft beers and um, hanging out with friends. That's a pretty good way to spend it. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask you, uh, once we do get things open up, once uh, Carnivore opens its doors, socially distant, of course, give us the ideal meal for the first person uh, walking in there to have as a big welcome back. 
<clears throat> well, it depends upon how they've been eating over quarantine. You know, I've talked to a lot of my friends and everybody said, look, if I had that much time off, I'll come out very lean, looking great. I'll be eating clean. I'll be working out all the time. But I would say 98% of my friends are telling me right now they've gained a lot of weight over quarantine. <laughs> they haven't worked out as much and they haven't been eating as good. Um, but I still think, you know, a nice big fat ribeye with some truffled mashed potatoes and, and some lobster mac and cheese would hit the spot first day you're coming back. That sounds pretty good. Sign me up for that, yeah. Omar. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this for a long time and uh, well, this has been a blast. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you once again for Omar Sheck for all the time and insight on this podcast. And thank you to a pair of people you don't hear from behind the scenes, Sarah Smith and Dave Machuda, who make Definitely Milwaukee possible, as well as Open Record, the podcast from the Fox 6 Investigators. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and a review. And you can, of course, download podcasts from Definitely Milwaukee or the Investigators on any of your regular podcast platforms, as well as fox6now.com. Mm-hmm.